And yeah, no one's going to hear this, so... Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. And the home of the Episode 108 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. And this week we have some hockey in sneakers to talk to you about. I mean, ostensibly we have that every week, but this week in particular, we have quite a bit of hockey and quite a few sneakers to discuss. If you listen to the podcast last week, which I strongly encourage, it's kind of the second part of a two-parter. This is uh, like like Avengers, uh, what was it, the Avengers... Uh, Age of Ultron? No, yeah, I thought of that too, but no, that was two. The the most recent one, the, um, the, the one... Oh, Infinity War. Thanos. Yes, it's like Avengers Infinity War and then Avengers... Untitled Four. I don't know what whatever they haven't announced the name yet, but whatever. The it's a you get it. It's a two parter. Thanos snapped, and now there's another whole half of the podcast that you have to listen to and you want to be caught up on before you. Anyway, um, spoilers. So uh, here, I I don't even know where to go from here. I've completely lost the thread. All right, you know what? I'm gonna jump into the starting lineup so you at least know who's talking to you with all this nonsense. And the eagle-eared listener, that's not a thing, eagle-eared. That's like, uh, I don't, do, do eagles even have good hearing? I have no idea. I could have just insulted our listeners inadvertently. Anyway, the sharp-eared listener, I haven't even gotten into the starting lineup yet. What is wrong with me? The, the, the sharp-eared listener will note a guest, a special, special addition to our starting lineup, and for tonight's starting lineup in goal, as ever, I am number 35, your American rhino, Gary McComiskey, and, of course, my valiant co-host. On defense, number four, I'm James Sajazi, and back with us again, thank goodness. On defense, number 13, Kevin Frost. Great to have you back. Thanks for coming again, Kev. Kev, thanks can I call you Kev? I don't know. I'm, just, I'm, I'm awfully casual all of a sudden. Hey, thanks, Kev. You are the best, K-Fro. Always happy to have you there. Kevily, Kev, Kev, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I've been called a lot worse. We want to have you back and and keep our relationship good, so please. Welcome back to Big Man. (laughs) Thanks for having me back. (laughs) Our pleasure. You're too good for this podcast. (laughs) That's that's for sure. No question about that. (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) Nevertheless, we will soldier on, and Kevin... You know the drill by now. You were here last week. So good of you to come back. So as we did last week, we will put you on the shelf just ever so briefly and just, uh, you know, maybe have a little back and forth, have a little brief taste, a little little taste of what's going on for the podcast 
but we'll get to that. James, how are you, sir? How, how have you been this past week? I'm alive, so I guess that's good. But the weather has been atrocious with the humidity and whatnot, so I'll just leave it at that. Keep this as a positive podcast. But how have you been? You know, it's funny you say that you're alive. I mean, that's not funny. That's a good thing. It's not like... <laughs> well, the joke's like, on oh, me. But going, yeah. <laughs> James is alive. That's hilarious. No, I mean, uh, funny in the, you know interesting of note sort of way. The reason I mention that is because the last couple of weeks after I have come home from playing hockey in this heat, I have texted my wife, Mrs. American Rhino, to say uh, she was not home. She was out. Hence the text. I've texted her to say I am not only home, but also alive. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I guess great minds think alike. And so do we. Well, that's a victory in and on itself to play hockey outside as a goalie with all that equipment and the heat beating down on you. The humidity has been unbearable for a long time, too. It's not even just like it's one day or two, but it's been weeks of this relentless humidity. And we've even had some horrible storms here in the New York area where we live. So, yeah, God bless you. Regardless of how you played or what the game's results were. You made it out alive. That's a huge, huge W every time. Yeah, actually, last week, I had I have to give a, a mask tip to Rob here. We played two games, and I, I was in goal. We play short games, for those of you who may not be caught up on that. Six-minute periods, three six-minute periods, you know, with very short intermissions in between. So after the second game, with it being close to 90 and, you know, humid enough to you know, think you were swimming— Basically, Rob came over to me. He saw I was not in great shape. He's like, I think you're done. I, I think you should call it a day. And somebody else hopped in that, Hollywood Dan Schwartz, in point of fact. And so I helped him get the gear on. And after a few minutes, he was like, man, respect to you guys for playing two games. He's like, I, we haven't even started yet, and I'm already dying and stuff. Yeah, that's a great way to have everybody put in perspective what the goalies are all about. And that's why we love goalies so much. Speaking on behalf of probably all hockey players and fans everywhere, how important the goalies really are. And they take it upon themselves, men, women, children who want to be a goalie. It's very expensive. And they take it upon themselves to buy the equipment. Their parents chip in and everything like that. And it's just... On top of everything else, it's very the, – the game starts and ends with your goalie. If you have a good goalie, you're going to have a good game. That's just the way it goes. If you have a goalie that's not that great, then you're going to have to pick up your defense and your offense to help them out every once in a while. But it's just really – you guys are special. You guys and girls are special. We love you all. We appreciate it. And I'm really happy that Dan was able to see for himself what it takes to be – between the pipes. So that's really cool. I think every hockey player should be mandatory that we should try that because anybody who rags on your goalie or throws them under the bus, you shouldn't be playing hockey. And credit to Dan. He, uh, you know, did a pretty solid job in net. We were able to get him W. Excellent. Very good. Yeah. And to your point about goalieing being very expensive, it normally is. But if you're fortunate enough to play for LaGrange hockey, which Mm. we'll talk about a little later, then you don't have that burden. And so I would encourage you to stay tuned for later in the podcast to find out what they're all about and see how you can help. That's uh, that's a little teaser for later in the podcast. You know what that is, James? That's the signal that it's time to get this podcast going. That's what that is. So, uh, you know, if you are amenable, I will hand the reins over to you and ask you, sir, if you would not mind, please telling us what is on deck for this podcast. 
Would be an honor, sir. Thank you so much. 2018 Summer Shootout Summary Part B. The Commish is back. The Raleigh Street Hockey League's 2018 Summer Shootout Tournament was so big and successful, we needed Mr. Kevin Frost to return and finish up the happy recap. And Rebound Shot. An article written by Jay Gearin in the GardnerNews.com goes a bit behind the scenes of the first ever under-20 USA women's deck hockey team. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You're welcome, sir. And thank you, Kevin, for coming back and joining us again. Now, uh, before we get into the conversation proper, I just want to get any listeners up to speed who maybe didn't listen to the podcast yet last week or uh, didn't pay attention to what we're doing this week. So if you heard the podcast, as I said earlier, part one, essentially last week, then you know that we are talking about the RSHL Raleigh Street Hockey League's summer shootout tournament. And we have tournament organizer Kevin Frost here to talk to us about that tournament and talk us through that tournament. And last week, we went through the C division. So one, if you didn't listen to that, listen to it. And if you haven't watched the C division, watch it on YouTube. We got links right here in the description and on our Facebook page, or you can go to Raleigh street hockey league on YouTube and just, you know, get it straight from the source. Like, uh, you know, tap that vein, just hot and fresh right from where it comes from. So do that. And this week, we are going to be talking about the B and the A divisions, which is the real stuff right there. That's, that's, that's the primo premium hockey that we're talking about this week. So same conditions apply. If you haven't already, please pause the podcast and go watch the B and the A divisions of the Raleigh Street Hockey League. Again, links are in the description, so you can check that out. We will be discussing spoilers. We'll be talking about what happened in depth, in, in detail in the tournament. And as Kevin mentioned last week, nobody wants to watch a sporting event or a hockey game in particular that you know the outcome of. So pause the podcast now and go watch those things if you haven't already. The A division in particular is like half an hour. It's really quick. And uh, as with last week, if you do not have time to watch now, but you want to finish the podcast, I will include a spoiler free time in the description. So you'll know when we're finished talking spoilers about the tournament. So you can listen to the rest of the podcast if you're so inclined, but I encourage you to watch the tournament and listen to the whole thing. Cause it's going to be worth it. All right. With all that being said, Kevin, I think it is time if you do not mind. I think we're going to jump right into the B division, B as in Baker, B division of your Raleigh Street Hockey League tournament. Straight off was the first seeded Whalers against the eighth seeded Firebirds, and the Whalers wound up taking that one for nothing. The one thing I noticed that was very interesting was in the C division, at least in the playoffs, it, I don't think there was one penalty. I think they went the entire C division playoffs without a penalty. The B division, you know, it was it was penalties galore, right from go. And if the B division played first, that's, you know, an interesting flip-flop in how it actually went on the day. But just, again, from what we saw on YouTube, the B division, in fact, all of the goals that the Whalers scored were on penalty shots. It's just, it's, it's crazy to think. Uh, now, was there a, like, a conscious decision to ref these games differently or with maybe a lighter touch from the B to the C or, or however you wound up doing it? Or did it just 
kind of work out that the C teams were less aggressive? I mean, there's no conscious effort to ref anything differently. I think for myself as a ref, I just call it as I see it. I don't watch the score. I don't watch the clock. I don't care. So I just mainly focus on what's a penalty and what's not, you know? So the only observation I can say from it, from the B to C and even the A, I mean, I I just felt like the B division was maybe a lot more aggressive, a lot more physical, I would say. And that seemed to draw a lot more penalties. I don't know. I don't have an explanation for it because the B division seemed to be the ones that were the most vocal about the refing or, mm-hmm. or this, that, the other thing where... Well, I've, I've got some I've got something on that later, but finish <laughs> I'm your thought. sure you do. But the C division seemed like either they just didn't care or they didn't want to get a penalty or something like that. So they were a little more reserved about it. And then I almost feel like the A division is like they just play play through things they it's almost a given that someone's going to slash their stick so Mm -hmm. they almost like goat you into take the slash and then they continue their play if Mm -hmm. that makes any sense so yeah sure it's like the 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 three different you you know you can have the same slash in all divisions like c division is like you know the guy couldn't control a stick enough so he accidentally slashed the guy so uh, you know it's not really that big of a deal for a penalty it wasn't hard didn't mean it the b division is like the other guy that gets slashed gets mad about it yeah. and and argues about it and and assumes there should be a call for it and then the a division the guy just gets slashed and he goes oh okay and then he makes a play out of it right so it's like you had those three there wasn't many penalties called in the a division either because it was like they just all played the way that they knew they should if that makes any sense and then c division was just focused on winning it seemed like they were just focused on winning each game at, at any cost so but i mean there, there was some outliers obviously but there was just one penalty or not one type of penalty, I guess I wanted to ask about. And I assume this is a house rule in the RSHL, but one of the penalties that was whistled down was somebody on the Firebirds was whistled for a high stick, not like clipping somebody with a high stick, just having a stick up high in the air. And uh, so that's a, is that a penalty in the RSHL normally? Yeah. And most ball hockey, that is, there's difference when you get into the either ball hockey or deck hockey discussion, there's two different versions of that. But the one that we use, the ball hockey rule is shoulder. So in the RSHL, uh, it's always shoulder. It doesn't matter if you play the ball or don't play the ball or don't mean to. Uh, I love that one. I was like, well, I didn't mean to high stick. Well, that, <laughs> that doesn't matter. It doesn't change the fact that you still get a penalty. But yeah, if your stick goes above your shoulder in any fashion, unless you're calling for the ball or taking a slap shot. So if you're winding up and taking a slap mm-hmm. shot, you're not going to get called for it. If you're calling for the ball to let somebody know and you're obviously on the other side of the rink and nobody's near you, you're not going to get a call. But if you're in traffic you know, or near somebody and then that stick comes up of your shoulder, it's an automatic call. So the onus is really to make sure that, you know, people aren't randomly getting hit in the face for no reason. So you really make sure that you keep your stick down. You know, a lot of guys don't wear cages because it's not ice hockey, so you Mm -hmm. don't have to worry about a puck taking all your teeth out. So a lot of the guys don't wear a cage or a visor. So we really make sure that those sticks stay down. So, yeah, that rule carries over. And some people are used to it and some people aren't. I tend to see it happen with lacrosse guys. Okay. Because whenever guys that play lacrosse, sure. their first instinct is always to put catch the stick it. up and yeah, catch sure. the ball, right? right? So a lot of guys, you know, that we get in the RSHL will be shaking their head like, oh, yeah, I play right. lacrosse. Sorry. That, is a, <laughs> that is a good explanation. Thank you for that. Sure. All right. So helps. now we move on to the, the next B Division game, which was the third seeded Storm against the six seeded Jesters. What, what was that? Did you? Did you? Guys, just hear something just now. No, I'm I'm here. I'm definitely hearing something. 
Oh, I, friend of the podcast, Lou Harverton played for the Jesters. That's what that is. That's correct. That yes. is okay. That's where that's coming from. I get it. All right. Yeah, I don't. So this was uh, this was Jester's Charlotte versus uh, the Storm, who was the Wilmington Squad's B division team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have anything on that game really. It was a well played game. You know, the Jester's lost. Actually, I just I just like saying Lou. But <laughs> actually, I do have one thing, and it's something that I can sympathize with. It seemed to me that the Jester's goalie really got shook at the end or towards the end of the game where he gave up a goal that he wanted back and then his confidence got a little rattled, maybe he got a little distracted, and he gave up two or three more goals in, in you know quick succession. And that happens to you sometimes. It's really unfortunate when it happens in this kind of situation where you, you know one game is everything. So uh, I feel bad for that goalie, but I think that was a much closer game than it looks like on paper. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Unfortunately, that happens. The Storm was a really good team. The Jesters were a really good team, and they had, uh, during their round robin, they had a couple games where they were dominant, and there were some good points in that game that they were dominant, too. So uh, hats off to Lou. He he makes a great team, and a lot of those guys are, are awesome. The, the whole team's awesome, I should say, not just a lot of those guys. I meant to say a lot of the guys from Charlotte are awesome, but a lot of the guys on the Jesters team are, are awesome. They, I, I thought they battled great I, I, I was super proud of yeah. him and you know lou's always a fan favorite yeah he's a good guy <laughs> friend of the podcast and good friend uh, of the pod. yes and <laughs> i think a similar thing actually with the goalie getting uh, distracted and, and getting shook a similar thing seemed to happen in the next game which was the second seeded mckessels versus seventh seeded nc united where the mckessels won six to one but Again, I think the goalie for the NC United gave up a penalty shot goal. And, you know, a lot of times there's nothing you can do about that. But I think he didn't like the way he played it, maybe. And, like, almost as soon as the puck was dropped to resume play, he gave up another one. That that really, to me, that smacks of a goalie kicking himself for not saving the previous ball and missing the one that's in front of him. Yeah, and the goalie is our Facebook guy, Stan Elon. So I know you can't see these people behind their mask, but that, <laughs> that was our guy. Buck up, uh, Stan. NC- you did a great job. <laughs> the NC United team was just that. We had a kind of a house team that we needed to put together last minute. So there was a guy from Wilmington that came, and uh, we had a few guys from RSHL, and then Stan was nice enough to jump in and fill in as goalie. Unfortunately, they had one guy go down with a knee mm. injury. So I think they were playing with four for that mm. game specifically unfortunately and you know it's, injury happens and you know it can certainly hurt your team a little bit so so i've just this doesn't mean really apropos of nothing but any idea why they were called the mckessels is that <laughs> like what what is this <laughs> i i can only imagine but they're, they're another rshl team they were the mckessels for the iron man that we just had so uh is it- not sure where the name came from, but Phil Kessel, uh, something, some, some play on Phil Kessel or something. No, no idea. Okay, that's fair. Pretty One would assume. Your name too, yeah. I just thought One I'd ask. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the next game was Ball of Duty, fourth seeded Ball of Duty versus fifth seeded Panthers. The other Panthers, because there was one in the B and the C division, which some arrogant podcast host may or may not have called out on a previous show for some reason. I seem to remember something about that. (laughs) 
But uh, Ball of Duty won four to two, and credit to them. But really, the only question I have on this game is: I know that the clock stoppages were to the referee's discretion. There was an injury at one point, and I've noticed for previous injuries the clocks do seem to stop. But this one, it didn't. I'm just wondering how you determine whether or not you should stop the clock in that kind of situation. It could have just been an oversight. We had a scorekeeper that works at the sportsplex mm-hmm. helping us out, and he wasn't all that. Attentive? About. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess that would be the nice way to put it. So there may have been a miscommunication there. He wasn't that attentive when it came to watching the plays. So I can't specifically remember that play. But, you know, if somebody was going to be down for a long extended period of time, then we'd stop the clock. If it looked like they were just down and they were going to get back up, then obviously you just keep the clock running. All right. Fair enough. Thank you. So the next game was the first seeded Whalers versus the third seeded Storm which was a pretty close game throughout. And I think this was another situation where, you know, people were getting very physical towards the end in a close game. And it seemed like the refs were letting them play a little bit, you know, maybe letting some stuff go that may have been called as a penalty earlier in the game. Just just for me watching it, that's how it seemed to me. I don't know if it was a conscious effort on on your part to do that. But again, I don't know if... Well, you said you yourself said earlier that you you know it doesn't matter what the score is or what the clock is, you call it as you see it. But I wonder if you know in that situation, maybe not that you don't think a penalty is as important in that situation, or maybe it's more like you know things are happening so fast and both teams are just trying so hard to score and not really paying a lot of attention or or, or making a big deal out of penalties. Maybe that kind of contributes to why they weren't called or a couple of things may not have been called late in the game is that does that what i just said make any sense yeah i I could see how it would appear that way obviously it's a lot easier to referee when you're watching the video of course and that's you know that's with any sport yeah yeah certainly Uh, (laughs) these two teams had some history too they played in the round robin the whalers are from rshl and then the storm again was from wilmington and during the round robin the whalers had beat the storm four to one both teams were really physical the whalers are very physical team the storm took exception to some of the physicality one of the guys on the bench had told me after that they were under the impression that it was a no contact tournament Mm -hmm. not a no checking tournament okay so they got a little hot under the collar when there was some you know incidental contact or you know general contact that happens out there when you're battling as far as this game i wouldn't say you know we didn't didn't put the whistles away or anything like that but again things are going on so fast that you have to make decisions on the spot right there and you know when it comes to playoffs and even when it comes to tournaments you really don't want the referees to determine the outcome of the game it's almost like the nhl playoffs right So you'd rather see, and I know this is debatable, everybody has their own opinion, but I think you'd rather see the teams just battle it out and see who wins. So, and that's when you, you know, if if the referee is always determining the outcome of the game or giving an advantage to another team, then that's when things can kind of get out of control. So generally when you go into like the playoffs and stuff, and especially some of the things that happen later in, in this tournament, you know, you you want to make sure that everyone gets a fair share. So for me personally, as a ref, if an incident happens, you know, I go through kind of a checklist. And the first thing is, like, did it impede the player from making a play? Mm-hmm. So if, if there's a little tap on his stick, did he still have possession of the ball? Yes, he did. Then you move on to, well, could he have been injured? So did he get slashed in the hand that would have caused him an injury? 
if I check no on that, then there's no reason to call the penalty. Mm-hmm. Everybody's just playing hard, right? And everybody's interpretation of a slash could can be different. So again, did he lose possession of the ball? Was he able to take a shot? You know, if he wasn't able to do these things, then you call a penalty. But you know, if he still had possession, if he could still take a shot, and there was no slash on the hands or something like that, so there was no injury, then you shouldn't really call it. You should just let them play and, and battle it out. So the difference being, some teams are more physical, some teams aren't. So teams happen to be the most physical out of the group, I would say arguably out of the tournament, and they had some history, so they were clashing together again. You know, we just want to make sure that everybody's safe and everyone gets an opportunity to to score. So, you know, I I watched the video again. I didn't see anything that I would have called differently, I don't think. Um, You know, as a ref, you always second-guess some stuff and you want to make sure, you know, it's a hard thing. But in my head, if both of the players... Uh, had something then i'd rather call both players than just call one player so that was kind of what happened so if there was a penalty that happened and the guy retaliated then i can call them both and i can feel good about myself because (laughs) i put them i i you know penalized them both instead of you know one or the other so all right i just want to be clear i'm not trying to criticize your refereeing specifically i just i wanted a general sense of how the game is called that's all feel free to criticize i I don't have a problem with that i'm only human and i can only call things as I see him. So I don't normally ref tournaments. Mm-hmm. Being a tournament director, you don't have any input on how any of the games could happen, you know, especially with a lot of the teams from my group. But again, unfortunately, I had to ref. So these things come and it's easy for guys in the RSHL to understand that I'm not biased and I don't care about the outcome of the game. As a tournament director, I want everybody to win. That's the weird part is like, I don't. You know, <laughs> You want, you want everybody to have a good time and you want everybody to win. Like, can all eight teams win somehow? You know what I mean? But it's just not the case. So, you know, it is what it is. So you're a referee. So you're always going to be wrong. It doesn't matter which <laughs> side. You're going to be wrong by one of the guys, right? So that's one of those things that you just have to learn to live with and you make the call and then you move on. So all long right. story short, I, you know, I, I call it as I start. So, well, I think one thing, if nothing else, one thing I think you did pretty well is stay out of the way. I noticed there was an, a number of plays where you were hopping over things and, and jumping out to the side to get away from the play. Or even I noticed there were a few points where you just decided to stand still and let the players go around you because that was the best option you had available to you. And I think, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think enough credit is given to referees for just staying out of the way because it's, you know, I'm sure it's very difficult to do that while still keeping an eye on everything that's going on in the game. So I just wanted to give you, you know, credit for being able to do that. I appreciate that. And, you know, the funny part is I, I was talking to my wife after and I was like, you know what? The whole B division, I felt great. Like I felt like every time I moved, the ball would go around me mm-hmm. or I duck and it would go, you know, behind me. And I was like, sometimes you ref and you're just like, wow, this is great. Like I'm not impeding the play. And then sometimes <laughs> you just can't get out of the way. Right. The ball will hit you no matter. And later in the tournament, when I would come in and, and help out, I felt like I was getting hit with the ball every single time. I didn't matter where I went. I would move the wrong way and, and impede the ball or run into a player or something. So it was like, it's, it's either one way or another. There was yeah. another ref who was on the other end of the rink, mm-hmm. and I remember watching him, and it seemed like every time they would wrap the ball around, it would somehow hit him. Like, he, he saw the... <laughs> he would see it every time, and it would still hit him no matter where he moved. So I was kind of getting a chuckle out of that. But, yeah, you know, that's part of the thing that people don't understand as a ref is you're trying to get out of the way. So, you know, you can't watch every single play mm-hmm. and 
referee at the same time and still get out of the way. So sometimes you just have to stand there and be like, well, I got to watch the game. So if this hits me, it hits me, you know, uh, you know, I, I have to sit here and watch this game because that's more important. So, yeah. but you know, sometimes you can get out of the way. There was one play in particular. I remember, I don't remember which game it was in, but I, I remember there was a couple of guys that were battling along the boards and you were kind of stuck there. And Daniel on commentary made a, you know, called it out like, Oh, Kevin Frost just, Kind of getting <laughs> pinned in by the play there. <laughs> yeah, and do. there's times where you don't have anywhere to go. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, we were talking before about physical play. Speaking of physical play, a very physical game was the next game, which was the uh, number two McCastles versus number four Ball of Duty. And that game was eventually won by Ball of Duty 3-2, to two, but that was a very chippy game. And I, I alluded before about how I had some things to say about guys chirping about non-calls, and, and this was the game that I was specifically alluding to, because there was one play in particular where I guess one of the Ball of Duty guys thought that they had gotten hooked or slashed or something, and he wouldn't shut up about the non-call. You know, he, he like... <laughs> You could hear him just during the course of play, ragging on the refs and, and dogging them. And then, you know, a minute or two later, it wound up costing his team a goal because that's what happens when you don't focus on the play. You're going to get burned. And I think that's a lesson to anybody who's listening. You know, this is something that I try and kind of live with as a kind of mentality for me as a goalie. You know, don't worry about what just happened. What just happened. You can't change that. If you, if you really need to address it, address it later. Right now, just worry about the play in front of you and just go from there. Don't keep harping on it and don't keep making it a thing because that is only going to wind up affecting your game negatively. It's been my observation that the people who complain the most are actually referees. So uh, <laughs> he, he is a referee in our league. And I don't know if that's just been my experience through hockey. It's like not just our league. I've seen it in ice leagues and, and everything, all tournaments I've gone to. It's like the guys who, who are refs and players seem to complain the most that are, it's like, you know how it is. Why are you complaining that much? You know, I, I feel like I'm the other way. I'm like, oh, I can't yell at this ref. You know, no matter what he did, it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, well, you know, I, I can be. So you get both side i guess in the referees it's like either the guy who's like yeah you know i've been in his shoes i understand or the guy how come you didn't call that i would have called that it was like well yeah but i'm not you so <laughs> and i actually went back because i was i remember that play because of course we had to uh, explain it to him but mm -hmm. you know during that play i got screened from what had happened somebody had come in front of my mm -hmm. line of sight and there was another referee that had clear sight of it and he just waved it off like, you know, it was it was a non-call. And honestly, I didn't see anything. I was like, well, I only saw the aftermath. I saw the complaint. I can't call a penalty on complaining. I have to call a penalty on what I see. Yeah, of course. And so, yeah, we had a conversation about that after. But I was, you know. <laughs> I mean, I like, watching the video, it could have been a penalty. It could have gone either way. You could have called it a penalty. You could have called it, you know, incidental contact. Whatever. I think referee's discretion. But just the fact that he wouldn't let it go. Like I said, I think it cost his team, and that's that. You know, it just I think that's a lesson, and I'll I'll get down off my soapbox now. No, and then the opposite devil's advocate of that is that you know he he feels like that cost him a goal because he didn't get a call. You know, so there's mm -hmm. both sides of that. Like you're like, well, you know, you you cost your team a goal, but now he's thinking, no, I should have got a penalty. So <laughs> you know, it depends on what side of the argument you're on. I've always been on the side of just play through anything. I'll play through anything if someone trips me. 
I'll just get up and keep playing because I, I could care less. That's the referee's decision to make that. It's yeah. not mine. I'm not the referee, so it doesn't matter what my opinion is, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm out there playing and I get hacked and slashed, it's not my opinion if it's a call. It's his. I can't call a penalty on someone. So what does it matter? Just but, take your slash and score a goal. Like, oh, you want to slash me? Well, I'm going to go score a goal on you. I feel about that. Yeah, like I said, that game did get very chippy, especially at the end. Was there any bad blood between those teams going into the game, or was it just something that evolved over the competition of the game? Well, again, they're both RSHL teams. So, you know, when you get that, there's always a a level of competition there, I think. Everybody knows each other, so everybody knows who's chippy, who plays a little rough, so... Yeah, I think you get a little extra. There's a little more on the line when you're playing an RSHL team that you know. So, right. you know, I, th- I think that was just something that had evolved. Okay. And finally, the, the final, the uh, third-seeded Storm versus the fourth-seeded Ball of Duty. And Ball of Duty wound up winning in overtime. Again, in overtime. And it's just, really, it was remarkable. Ball of Duty wound up coming back from you know, being down a goal with 25 seconds left in the game. And uh, then they they wound up winning in overtime on dueling penalty shots. They sunk theirs and the storm failed on their attempt on, on really a great deke to get around the goalie. And he just, the shooter just rang it off the post. And, you know, that was their tournament. So it's an exciting way to end. You hate to see... Something like that end on penalty shots, but it, it was really, given what it was, it's an exciting finish. So both of those teams played really hard, really uh, a credit to both of those teams for how hard they played and for you know how hard they battled. Although I will say, I didn't personally, just as a viewer, I didn't think either team seemed like very good sports. <laughs> Fair enough. Good, good. Uh, yeah, the kind of the breakdown of that game was the storm scored quickly, like 45 seconds in, and then RSHL came back and tied somewhere around nine minutes in, and then they scored 30 seconds later. So you know, this is an exciting game to watch if you haven't. But go back and watch this one. This was a fun one. And then I think the storm tied it like 45 seconds later. Ball of Duty goes up again, like 20 seconds later. So there was a lot of back and forth. Yeah. And then, like, uh, Storm tied it. So we had, you know, multiple leads here that were kind of going back and forth. They got a penalty shot, and they couldn't bury it. And then they got the lead with, like, less than two minutes left. And then, absolute chaos, they pull the goalie, and then Ball of Duty tie it with 25 seconds left to bring it to overtime. So, I mean, the drama on this game, as it unfolded, was absolute classic hockey. And that's why we all live for these type of games. You know, like these are the games that you remember forever, just back and forth battling, you know, the lead going back and forth. And then, of course, it's got to go into OT because Mm -hmm. there's never enough time. So (laughs) and then, you know, there's controversial call for the end there. You know, that's been one of the calls that's kept me up at night a few times. And there's quite a lot of discussion going around about it. But, you know, you, you call what you call and it is what it is. But well, um, the ball of duty ended up scoring on theirs, and then the storm actually hit the post yeah. on their penalty shot. Yeah. So yeah, you can even see on the video you conferring with the other referee on, I guess, presumably what to call there, and you know how to how to 
dole out the you know punishments and and what actually happened there uh, at the end on that last set of penalty shots. So was it that you didn't get a clear view of it, or was it just that I saw it, but I'm still not sure what I saw? So I want your opinion. I saw what I saw, and I wanted to confirm because of the the weight of the game and in the overtime, I wanted to confirm with my other referee that what I saw was what I saw. So. I didn't want to make a decision without confirming him, especially in a finals game in overtime. So mm-hmm. I wanted to double check and make sure that I was making the correct call. So that's what that was. So yeah, if you haven't seen the play, if you haven't watched these games again, watch the game. It, we're telling you these are really exciting games. Go watch <laughs> them. Do it. Do it. We'll wait. I mean, we don't have to wait. They can just pause it, whatever. But yeah, the, the play in question was two guys kind of battling behind the net and they both wound up going down so i i guess they what what was the ruling on that they both tried to check each other or interfere with each other or what how what was the kind of what was the penalty that was officially called on that ball of duty had a trip and then from the angle i was at i thought that the storm guy had tried to give a little extra to the guy for tripping him okay so i was going to give a a trip and a roughing call there was some confusion about a stick getting lifted or something Mm -hmm. previous to that the storm thought that we were trying to call him for some sort of stick lift or something like that but that was incorrect it was the play that was happening the temperature of that game was really hot and with both guys going down at the same time i was concerned about what could happen if the whistle wasn't blown you know what i mean so uh Again, there was a lot of chippiness on both sides. RSHL guys just as much were playing a little past the line as well as Storm was. So I, it was one of those where you want to make sure that the game is still in control, you know, from getting out of control. So not necessarily the outcome of the game. So I thought it was fair to give them both penalty shots, you know, and let them decide it. I, I honestly didn't think it was one person or the other person was to blame in that situation. I thought they were both to blame. So there was a lot of that going on. There was a lot of maybe an infraction and then a retaliation, an infraction, retaliation, infraction, mm-hmm. retaliation, whether it was called or not. So I thought they both deserved a penalty and they both got their shot on it. And, you know, it is what it is. I can't <laughs> I can't keep second guessing myself because it, it was a, it's over, you know, but I, I just don't like being a referee and making those calls in overtime on a finals game. But I shouldn't have to make those calls in an overtime finals game either. So that is entirely fair. And that's a great explanation. Thank you for taking the time to give it. And I, I think anybody who watches that, well, maybe anybody except the teams that were playing because, you know, they're biased. But I think anybody else who watches that can see it and agree with that line of reasoning. So Chris Young ended up being the uh, Hagen Hockey MVP. He was the one who won the championship for him. He got the cup winning shootout goal. So congrats to him. He he was awesome that whole tournament. Not just that, he, he scored a bunch of goals. Kevin Ebner, who was the captain of Ball of Duty, was a close second. He was huge too, but unfortunately, you know, you can only give it to one. There isn't actually a cup in this tournament, right? It's just shirts and bags and such? Correct. Yes. Right. Yeah, cup winning is just a, a you know figure of speech. Did I say cup winning? The, yes, you did. But that's all right. Oh. I think I think as hockey fans we can all understand the concept of you know a cup winning team. <laughs> all right. So uh, uh, with that, let's go to the, the you know the the main event, the A division, the the big boys, as it were. And there are only four teams in this division. So this went pretty quick, I guess. This particular set of playoff games. And the first game 
went so quick we didn't even see it. Uh, I guess due to what you had mentioned before with the you know games being scheduled tightly together and, and Daniel Wilson having to run around and change batteries and things. Unfortunately, we did not get video of the first semifinal game in this division, which was, for the record, the first-seeded Velvet Lions and the fourth-seeded Trump Monkeys. And the Velvet Lions wound up winning that first game one to nothing. I, I would have liked to see that game if only because the very, very brief snippets, the very brief glimpses I caught of the Trump Monkeys from, like, coming onto the deck after, you know, a previous game ended, I really would have liked to see their uniforms because <laughs> those were some pretty, you know, star spangled, interesting looking uniforms that I didn't get a good enough look at. So I hope that there's a, you know, a picture or video of them somewhere on the wide internet that I can check out. Yeah, I believe they took a team picture and posted it on Twitter or something to that effect. So maybe you can see it there. Maybe it was Instagram. I'm not sure. But yeah, the Trump Monkeys are a team out of Atlanta. The group out there is called Masha. Uh, I believe it's Metro Atlanta Street Hockey Association. Okay. And they've, they've been around for a long time, probably if not as long as the RSHL has, and they've been a big part of Atlanta and their group. And they send, they have really high-end players. I believe Chris Haynes was on the U.S. ball hockey team when they went out two years ago. He was from Atlanta. I'm not sure if he was on this coming team, but very high-end players in Atlanta. Every time we've we've seen them, they just have phenomenal players. So this was actually one of the first times that they've come out to one of our events. The captain, Dave, he's apparently his team for Atlanta for Masha is the Trump Monkeys. So they already have those jerseys made. And I believe it's uh, some sort of picture of Trump giving the thumbs up. There's some bald eagles in there somewhere. There's sure. a lot of American flags and stars and As stuff. As you do. Uh, so you don't have to tell me. And, <laughs> and then uh, I believe he's also the owner of a drink company called Electric Monkey. Oh, so he has like a cartoon monkey with Trump's hair on it is on the uh, sleeve, I believe. Gotcha. All right. Well, that makes sense. That's, uh, that tracks. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, scout Instagram and Twitter for the Trump Monkeys. So that being said, the first game that we got to see from the A Division was the second-seeded Thunder and the third-seeded Hark's Place. And the Thunder won that game 2-1. to one, And I've got to say, what struck me about, you know, this game, I guess, in particular, but really all of the A Division, I don't know if it's just a matter of, you know, the, the people in their prime are just by default the best teams, but just watching the guys play and the pace of play the the a division teams just seemed and this game in particular seemed i don't know bigger and and maybe younger but just something about them they seemed more i guess filled out more like you know muscled athletic dudes running around out there uh just my impression i don't know yeah i mean a, a lot of those guys are are the tournament guys that uh, travel around so they take they take ball hockey very seriously they take you know their health very seriously and they want to be the best so they're usually really upper level ice hockey guys too mm -hmm. so that's a lot of it a lot of them played college hockey and kind of moved to ball hockey or played both so uh these guys are really high-end players and they, they take this stuff seriously so uh yeah they're they're all in pretty good shape they're all big guys so yeah so the thunder is the rshl travel team mm -hmm. the velvet lions are a group out of philadelphia run by a gentleman steve he actually used to play for the rshl for a short amount of time and then moved away so he's still good friends with us and Whenever Thunder goes up north, he'll usually jump on a team to help out a tournament team. And actually, we had one of our RSHL guys, Steve Marino, 
kind of subbed in because they were short a guy. So they had some Philadelphia guys, and then they had an RSHL guy. The Harks place is out of Pittsburgh, and their captain, Chris Thompson, he actually moved down last season and took my place on my team as a defenseman hmm. while I was injured. So, But unfortunately, he had to move back up to Pittsburgh because he was a phenomenal player. But we had gotten in contact with him, and, and he put a team together and came down. So A Division had four teams, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, and then RSHL. So it was great to have teams from, from all over you know, representing their best. It was great. And I just the other thing from this game that kind of hit me, this is really cliche, but I guess the axiom proves true. Defense wins championships. Like the Thunder really played some great shutdown defense in this game. And I think that it was such a close game. I think that was the difference because Hark's place really had, it seemed like they had trouble getting anything going. And, you know, the Thunder just needed to score those two goals and they're off to the races. So, uh, you know, credit to them for playing well on both sides of the ball. I guess. Yeah, it was great. Brian Hooks is the uh, co-commissioner of the RSHL, and he pretty much handles all the tournament teams and uh, tournament team and getting them out there. So he was the taller gentleman on defense, and he's just a shutdown defenseman. He's he's got a big wingspan, a hell of a slap shot, and he's a great guy and he's a, he's a great player. So having him and then their other defense was really good. And then not to mention goalie John Cowan is a uh, he's a world class goalie. He's played for I think. Bermuda and Canada in some world ball hockey championships and stuff. So um, there's a lot of pedigree on that team. <laughs> well, I have words about him later, but uh, okay. So yeah. And I, I think the other thing with that game, if I'm remembering, yeah, I believe both goals that the Thunder scored were on turnovers. So, you know, again, if it, both teams played really solidly, played very well and it was just you know taking advantage of of one or two mistakes it, you know that, that at that level it can change that quickly so you know credit to both of those teams and then the final was the first seeded velvet lions taking on the second seeded thunder which uh, ended again in overtime we had three overtime games in the playoffs across the three divisions and they were all in the finals and the thunders wound up winning two to one in that game the velvet lions I know that you mentioned that they were the team that only brought four players, I guess, due to injury. So uh, is, is, was that all it was? They had a player drop out or, or was injured and couldn't play in the tournament, so they just went ahead with four players? Yeah, that's what happened, unfortunately. And the funny part is the gentleman that I told you about, Steve Marino from mm -hmm. RSHL, was the one to score the first goal for Velvet Lions on his RSHL you know, teammates. When the Thunder uh, travels, he's always on the Thunder team, so it was, it was pretty bittersweet for him <laughs> you know he, he still catches a lot of flack for that i'm sure but now there was I, one question i have and this isn't again it's not to like nitpick or contradict any of the refereeing just more of a general question there was one play in this game where i've, I've watched it back like 10 at least 10 times 10 or 15 times and in slow motion whatever i still can't figure out there was one shot that i couldn't tell looked like it might have gone in and out or it could have just hit the post but it was so fast and the ball was orange and the crease was a similar color as was the goalie's jersey i really couldn't track the ball very well it was called no goal on the deck and and everything kept going but i just wonder i use that as an example i wonder have you ever run into a situation with the you know videotaping all of these games or or many of these games where a referee will make a call on the deck in the game 
and it maybe it's a you know kind of a critical call and then down the line the video gets posted and it looks like there may be evidence to kind of refute what the referee decided has that ever i know that happens in professional sports all the time but i'm wondering if there's ever been a situation in the rshl where that's kind of come back to uh not to haunt you but you know come back to sting you a little bit or if you know anyone's made a stink about that kind of thing yeah a few instances come off the top of my head but the particular one you're talking about i don't really recall but Again, we don't have the luxury of instant replay or uh, Toronto, you know, checking our backs or anything like that. So we got to just go with what we see. I can remember one particular, there was a, uh, there was an offsides that uh, was really offsides and Mm -hmm. it ended up being a goal and everybody was complaining about offsides, but the refs didn't see it. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you're a referee, so you can't watch everything at the same time. You have to constantly be looking at different things. You constantly have to make sure there's only five guys on the rink or three in Mm -hmm. this case because everybody tries to sneak in an extra guy here and there. So, uh, (laughs) so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's been a few where we've been able to go back and see, you know, a mistake that was made. And then you just learn from it. So, I mean, that's the only thing you can do at that point is, you know, the game's over, but you just got to learn from it. Yeah. And then my final thought, and uh, you, you know, it's your league. I don't I want you get to get in trouble with anybody so you can feel free to, to, you know, just stay silent on the issue or what have you. But, you know, pedigree or not, my observation was that that goalie Cowan was kind of a huge jerk. Like, just based on the way he was showboating and carrying on and rubbing things in people's faces at, uh, when they won. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say uh, poor form, dude. Don't like don't be that guy. Don't just just don't. You don't have to be a jerk. You won. You, you know, you've proven your team is great and, and, and you've proven your dominance and superiority or whatever. Just, you know, be happy with the win. Don't don't be a jerk. All right. And I'm fine to move on from there. Uh, so that's the recap. Play the fifth. Yeah, fair enough. And I totally respect that. So the uh, A division Hagen Hockey MVP was Justin Ververito from the Thunder. He scored the championship winning goal, too, in 15 seconds left in overtime or something like that. Yep. It, it mm-hmm. was insane to watch. He got like a little bit of a rebound and... And uh, the defenseman overcommitted a little bit on him, and and he wrapped around and, and scored that goal and, and just sniped it. He's he's a phenomenal player in our league. He's always the top goal scorer. He's a he's a great guy, and he's a phenomenal hockey player. So he he was he definitely earned the uh, Hagen Hockey MVP hands down. All right, good on him, man. Good good on everybody. It was a really well played tournament all around by all the teams, and uh, it was a blast to watch. So. Again, please go and check out these tournament games if you haven't already. The links are right there in the description and you can, you know, you can watch them if you haven't already. I mean, do. But if you haven't already, just, you know, watch them. So, uh, James, that's going to wrap up our coverage of the tournament games. Based on all that that we were just talking about, do you have anything to uh, jump in with? Any questions or any observations that you'd like to add? Just congratulations, Kevin. Excellent job. It looked great. Congratulations to Daniel Wilson, too, for the excellent job that he did. And I'm glad that people all had fun. Relatively, most of the guys stayed healthy, which is important, too. And just really, I'm so impressed by the way you pulled it all off. 20 teams, 12 hours of hockey in one place. Phenomenal job. So anybody listening out there, this is how you run a tournament. So well done, Kevin. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. But, uh, you know, I have a lot of help. My wife is huge in helping me out. All these captains are huge in helping me out and putting the teams together. You know, 
they have to deal with me emailing them and texting them every, you know, three days and being like, do you have a team yet? Do you have a team yet? Are you in? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and then my refs and then the scorekeepers that keep this stuff going. So I, it's, it's not me. It's, it's a great community and we all do this so we can all get together and have fun and play some ball hockey. And that's what it is at the end of the day is you just want to, you know, you want a place to play and a venue to be able to do this at, you know, we do this all year round playing ball hockey. So you want to play against other guys. So somebody's got to step up and put tournaments together so you, you can do this stuff. So I believe, you know, at the end of the day, I believe this was the largest ball hockey tournament in North Carolina that I'm aware of. So I don't know of any of them that have been bigger or come even close in North Carolina. So we could put that little feather in our hat. And then the LaGrange ball hockey group has a youth league that they're doing and it's 100 free it comes out of glenn's pocket he takes care of all of them so anybody that's out there that wants to play hockey that's a kid they can come they can play and it, the parents don't have to worry about spending a fortune on it so one of the great things i think about it is we took up a donation for all the kids so we got all we must have had like two huge boxes full of just kids gear use kids gear that everybody from all these different groups came in and donated some of them were even donating cash to them to make sure that all this stuff's taken care of and that's what it's all about you know we all got together and we were able to get a bunch of gear for the kids you know some money and you know hopefully there's a next generation of ball hockey that comes behind us or you know maybe kid another any one of two nhl players that come out of lagrange because of it you know you never know but you know that's what it's all about so we also there was a big basketball tournament going on at the same time and that's that's what the, all the noise was that was going in the background but yeah. a lot of the kids were coming over and they were getting exposed to ball hockey for the first time we had a bunch of kids stick handling around and learning for taking passes and with all the guys that were hanging out so i mean that that was the best part of the whole tournament was being able to help lagrange seeing some kids that being introduced to ball hockey, meeting all these great teams and great groups and great people from all around the area. So in that aspect, all the games aside, it was a huge success and I hope we can do it again and we can keep doing it. We can keep growing it. I had a couple other groups that were interested that just couldn't get a team in, in time, you know? So I hope to grow it. You know, there's, there's not much out here in North Carolina as, as far as ball hockey tournaments. So, you know, we just got to, you just got to get your uh, your hands dirty and, and do it yourself sometimes. So that's great. That's all great stuff. And I hope that one day we'll be able to get down there and hang out with you for one of these down the road. But in the meantime, Kevin, where can we find RSHL on the internet and, you know, social media and whatnot? Simple. We're RaleighStreetHockeyLeague.com. On there, you can find all our social. We're obviously on Facebook. And then we're on Twitter. It's Raleigh ST Hockey or at Raleigh ST Hockey. And then YouTube, you can just search Raleigh Street Hockey League. We'll, we'll pop up and you can see all these videos. You can see the videos that we do for our league. Uh, you can see past tournaments. Uh, we got a lot of stuff on there. And Daniel Wilson does a great job. So give us a follow. And we're trying to live stream some games here and there. Just keep pushing the game for everybody. Well, thank you, sir. We really appreciate you taking the time to come on the pod and talk to us about it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime, man. Thank you so thank much. You. All right. Well, we'll catch you next time then, Kevin. Good luck with everything uh, in the RSHL and, and keep us posted. Yeah, absolutely. That was sensational. Thank you so much to the commissioner. And uh, again, I hope everybody enjoyed that as much as we did. Excellent job, American Rhino, for the amount of work you put into that. It's like you worked almost as hard as Kevin did himself on the tournament with all the research and watching everything and an excellent in-depth recap on both your end and Kevin's too. So I hope the players involved all enjoyed it. 
and it was really did justice to the greatness that the tournament was the summer shootout. And again, yeah, LaGrange hockey, that's something really special. So definitely support those guys. Hearts are in the right place. This is what this podcast is all about is promoting hockey. They're taking it a whole step further. Mm -hmm. So God bless them. Keep it up. And great job for everybody involved with the 2018 summer shootout. Yeah. And the commish that was, that wasn't Michael Chiklis. That was like the shield, right? What was the commission? No, that, that, yes, that, that was, was, oh, that uh, was his first series. Yes. Were they both Michael Chiklis? Yes, they were. Oh, okay. I didn't watch either of them. I just know by <laughs> reputation. Honestly, my most, uh, the thing that I associate Michael Chiklis with the most is he had like a very short lived television show where him and his family had superpowers somehow. Uh, I don't even remember what it was called. Like my super family. No, I don't think that's what it was. But anyway, yeah, that's what I know him from. Also, he was in that bad Fantastic Four movie, right? Yes. Actually, uh, I should be more specific, probably. Yeah, it was anything but Fantastic 1 and 2. I think 1 was Rise of the Silver Surfer was the sequel. And just take it for what it's worth. 20th Century Fox or 21st Century Fox, whatever they call themselves now. Disney? When they got their, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> They're calling right. themselves Disney now. Yeah, well, way back when, in like 2007, I think, when the Silver Surfer movie came out, they just didn't do anything in casting except take people from other Fox shows in the past or FX shows. And that's why it was so miscast that it was very lazy. And thank goodness that Marvel has their characters back. I hope they'll get Fantastic Four as well to truly make a fantastic movie. But yes, that's uh, Michael Chiklis' career in a nutshell. And no offense to the actor. I'm sure he's a wonderful man. And not his fault. He's a great actor. So I, I, we could all agree on that. But it wasn't his fault for being miscast as the thing. The show was called No Ordinary Family. And it ran for one season of 20 episodes. Well, I, I hope you win a bet with that because that's pretty cool knowledge. I watched it. I enjoyed it for the most part. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was good enough for me to watch. Now, granted, most of you don't know me. You know, statistically, you, the listener, don't know me personally. And, you know, that's not really a, a metric that you'll be able to judge whether or not it's worth watching for you. But I mean, honestly, James and I have probably spent more time talking about this show right now than most people talked about it when it was on the air. So that should give you an idea of why it only lasted 20 episodes. But still, it's worth mentioning that Michael Chiklis was in it, I guess. So now we'll get back to what we really know, and that's deck hockey. Oh, right. We turned into Siskel and Ebert there for TV for a second. Yeah, okay. Maybe in the future we'll have a podcast about a TV show or two. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. So uh, in the meantime, as we were saying before, and we referenced this back in HTD's 104 for the prep of the tournament and 105 for the recap. Again, the American Rhino did an excellent job with that, but... Um, about a month ago at the recording of this podcast, the under 20 USA women's deck hockey team first ever competed in an international tournament. And there was an article written in the Gardner News, I believe it's in Massachusetts, about a couple of local players who played on that first ever team. The Gardner News, is that a dirt sheet? I don't know. I just did a search on, uh, I, I, I have no idea. Um, I say I know my, the I know Gardner Carter, News. But... Is that a dirt sheet? No! <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Carry on. So two local young ladies 
one by the name of Jordan Pond, who's 14 years old, and her teammate, Stephanie Caban, I believe you pronounce her last name, 17, both from the Massachusetts area, sat down with Mr. Jay Gearin for an interview, and they talked about the significance of being on the first ever under-20 women's team and the excitement of competing internationally for your country, the USA, and being a part of the first ever team making history was pretty amazing. So they sat down and talked about their experiences, and it was really tight. There was only five teams for the women, and uh, obviously the Czech Republic, as we said. Again, if you want to listen to the podcast, you can hear all about what the results of the tournament were, but it was really very brief. It was only a few days around the 4th of July, as a matter of fact, when the tournament took place, and teams beaten up on one another. So Maybe the record wasn't great for Team USA, but they did accomplish a lot and they played their guts out and did really well. And Jackie Spiegel, friend of the podcast, was there as a bench coach and helping out the team. And I think, if anything, it was a success overall and an excellent stepping stone for the future. And the ladies thank deck hockey for all of it because they do play ice hockey and or roller hockey. But as Miss Pond is quoted as saying, she said that deck hockey is a good way to keep practicing practicing some of the skills that cross over from ice hockey. That's something that the American Rhino and I agree with and try and convey for people curious about deck hockey or trying it out. And she also said with deck hockey, she keeps her stamina up by running, which is really important. As a matter of fact, I've even heard that the great one, and at the recording of this podcast, it's the 30th anniversary of that trade when he went from Edmonton to LA, but that's for another podcast some other day. But he said one of his routines was he would do a lot of running just to build up his cardio and his stamina. And when you think about it, I mean, hockey, skating, it's so exhausting and they're on station bikes and all that stuff but you do have to stay in shape all year round and one of the things that they do is they'll play soccer or they'll run like the american rhino is very familiar with the long distance running and things like that so hopefully that helped you with your breathing techniques and keeping your stamina up in between the pipes too i mean i ran in high school and i wasn't very good at it then so uh I'd love to take credit for that, but I think any cardio benefit that the running gave me then, you know, has long since dissipated. But believe me, I wish I could do more running now and I, I have bad knees and, and it's proven a problem the last couple of times I've tried. But yeah, that's definitely a great way to get your cardio up and I would love to have better cardio. So I don't necessarily agree with you that it's helped me in that way. But I do agree with you that it is a great help and it is beneficial and is encouraged. Yes. And as another note, for Gary and I, we're stuck in the city, so there's way too much concrete and asphalt running around. Uh, the irony that we're talking about deck hockey here as well. But if you're running and you're working out on a daily basis, running on concrete is one of the worst things you could possibly do because it's going to hurt your joints from your lower back all the way down to your ankles. So I'd recommend if you do practice when you're not playing deck or ice hockey or anything else, try and practice on a spongy surface like a track or grass, you know, if you're near a park or something like that. And hopefully dogs haven't done their business there and you can go from there. So just be easy on your joints and things like that. And you'll see how much better your game will improve because of it. Yeah. And if nothing else, you'll be in shape. So even if it's yeah. not a tangible benefit for your hockey game, you know, which it will be, but even if it's not, you know, it's good for you. Bye, Cracky. It's good for you. Just like right. your, your green vegetables and your um, milk and your um, vitamins. Uh, vi vitamin, yeah. Eat your, yeah. Eat your vitamins and say your prayers, brother. There you go.
and the advice from Hulk Hogan ends there as well. But um, well, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. Do as I say, not as I do, brother. Amen. Amen to that. Don't get caught on camera saying terrible things, dude. Yeah, even though that's illegal in and on itself, but still good advice there. <laughs> Anyhow, so Miss Pond and Caban also. Their teammates, Pond is 14, Caban is 17. Their teammates ranged in age from 13 to 20 and basically were in the same area, being from Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey, competing for the World Juniors about a month ago or so in the Czech Republic. I'll say this about Pond and Caban. They are real Americans. That's right. Very well said. I don't know if they have your awesome pads, though, the American flag pads, which are just the most beautiful things I've ever seen. But yes, they are big time true Americans, as the song goes. But just to give you an idea of how hard it was to make this team, and Lord knows how many deck hockey players there are around this great country of ours, too. So that's pretty incredible. And both of the ladies, they started out very young ages playing hockey. Pond said she began playing ice hockey at the age of three and then deck hockey when she was four. Hmm. I guess you got to skate before you can run. I guess. Yeah, God bless. I mean, maybe she just loves a challenge and decided to get the hard play out of the way first and then everything else would be easy. Yeah, well, there is something to be said for that. It's like when you're on... <laughs> on deck <laughs> in baseball and you've got a donut around your bat and you're you know you're swinging a heavier bat so by the time you're in there it it, it feels easier i guess uh, maybe the same principle applies for ice hockey and deck hockey yeah sure and again if you are playing ice hockey if you're on an ice hockey team and during the off season if you're living in an area where there are four seasons that's a great way to practice by playing deck hockey you could still do your stick handling you could get your cardio up your passing and doing all that stuff and especially it's a little bit more difficult if you're used to a puck on ice by trying to stick handle with a ball on concrete because that thing's going to bounce around and God bless Milek for the great job that they've done to come up with a ball that pretty much stays on the ground proper and you can play the game and have fun that way without getting frustrated like as if it was a tennis ball for example. So again, that's eye-hand coordination and, and all that great stuff and you can do it all year round which is the benefit of it. And Jordan Caban, actually this was her second trip to international play in the Czech Republic, but the first time again with the under 20 women, which is pretty amazing. And I believe in the game against Slovakia, Kaban was awarded the USA player of the game. So that's pretty cool in that, where it just goes to show you that a lot of hard work will pay off. And she also says that Ms. Kaban also credits deck hockey for learning the game and enjoying it and really excelling. So to play internationally, especially far away in the Czech Republic for an intense few days and staying toe-to-toe with elite talent, obviously Canada and the Czech Republic themselves, they made sure that they had the home deck advantage and definitely took advantage of that. And Team USA even managed to score a goal against them, which was an accomplishment because I believe they shut out all the other teams that they played. So that's a nice little feather in the cap of the USA ladies. I got something deep inside of me. Courage is the thing that keeps us free. Did, did she say that? That might have been someone else. Maybe, but it's a great motto and, and definitely sure. something to live by. Words yeah. to live by, yes. Great axiom. Uh, couldn't have said it better myself. And finishing this up, Rick LaPerriere, who is the executive director of the American Street Hockey Institute and president of MILEC. He said this was the first time that we were able to put a youth under 20 team together for the ladies. And they were very excited and pleased about how they performed and how they conducted themselves, unlike the Czech Republic 
Republic team, which again, you can listen to HTD 105 for that. And they were a very young team and they did very well. And he says nothing but good things about them. They're all good kids on and off the rink, which is really important. And to gel that quickly as a team, obviously they needed to do that. And they need to be good people to do that and be a good teammate and all that. And it was a big stage and they're looking forward to competing in the future. So definitely a great way to start off some new USA dominance in the world of hockey. Yeah, they're good kids. They feel strong about right and wrong, and they don't take trouble for very long. <laughs> Last minute remaining in the podcast. Get the hook. All right, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Pops, for being the voice of the podcast. Thank you so much, Kevin, for being on the podcast again and spending so much time with us and taking the time to break down your great tournament. Thank you to Daniel Wilson from the RSHL for doing the play-by-play on all those games and for uploading them for our viewing pleasure. Thank you to the LIQ for sound effects, Anthony Sejazi for music contributed to the podcast. Thank you to you specifically for listening to this podcast and sticking with us. We really appreciate it. If you appreciate us and, you know, in whatever way you do, we would love it if you'd consider subscribing to the podcast. We would love it if you would subscribe on YouTube because that helps us out a lot and we would super love it if you would consider leaving us a review in iTunes. That would help the most of all. Out of all the ways that you can help, that one is the tops, baby. So if you would consider doing all of those things, we would deeply, deeply appreciate it. If you would like to talk to us, if you'd like to get in touch with us in some way, so many ways you can do that. You can email us at hitthedeck, D-E-K, hitthedeck at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at hitthedeckpod, and you can get us on Instagram and Facebook at Hit the Deck. And you can, of course, comment on YouTube if you are so inclined, or you can send a carrier pigeon or smoke signals, and I wouldn't hold your breath on those things, but you can try, right? You can try. You can find us out on the deck wherever we happen to be playing. You can stalk us. You can well, uh, leave notes on, on James's car, you know, like mysterious, like uh, who, what? I don't, what's happening? So many ways. So many ways you can express your opinion to us. Most of them legal. So uh, please do that. And I think I've exhausted all the things that I can think of to say. James, do you have anything you'd like to add? Yeah, again, pick up all your deck gear at Hagen Hockey and All Black Hockey Sticks. Looking for places to play deck? Check out the Columbus Deck Hockey Association, Charlotte Street Hockey, and the Raleigh Street Hockey League. Of course, our own LIQ. Donate to LaGrange Hockey, and we appreciate you listening, so thank you very much. Yeah, and if you can't listen to this podcast on Podbean, if it's down, if you're not able to get it via that method, there are allegedly other ways of getting it, even when that doesn't work. But by all means, let us know, because we don't get any kind of notification when that happens. And the only way we find out is through listeners like you. So if you need your Hit the Deck fix and you can't get it, let us know and we will facilitate that for you. So all that being said, we would, of course, like to leave you with this sentiment. Whether you are out there on the deck playing in a hard-fought tournament for fame and glory, or whether you're just messing around out in the street where you live. It's a kind of a show tunes reference. I don't know. It wasn't even really worth it. I don't know why I, I went there. I'm sorry. Anyway, whether you are representing your country as a youth overseas for the first time being a trailblazer or whether you're battling against the forces of evil brother 
regardless of what you happen to be doing, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and always remember, it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. I'm trying to remember what the company name was. I don't want to misspell it. Mm. Sure. Yeah, Jesus. You were sponsored by <laughs> Jesus? That's a pretty hard sponsorship <laughs> to get. <laughs> I would uh, think.